It was just a little over a month ago when Holy Trinity member Katie Minnick called to talk about her child's baptism. Due to the COVID restrictions of the past 18 months, we haven't had a regular schedule for baptisms like we usually do. Typically, we choose our baptism dates ahead of time so that we can make sure that they have scripture texts that are for that day that have baptismal themes, or at least <laughs> themes about water. But we didn't put any baptism dates on the Holy Trinity calendar yet. So when Katie asked, could we do Fred's baptism on July 11th? I took a quick look at my calendar, and I said, I think that'll be okay. I mean, usually Craig gets to select the dates, but cat's away, mouse will play, I'm in charge. I get to do whatever I want. I have no idea what the texts are for that Sunday, but I'm sure it'll be okay. Lutheran preachers can make anything about baptism. Oh, how I wish I had checked with the boss, or at least read the scripture texts before giving the okay. I never imagined that the assigned text for Frederick's baptism day would be the beheading of John the Baptist. Sorry, Katie and family. <laughs> but we're going to see what we can do here today. And I think that any day is a good day to think about baptism and what baptism means for the life of a Christian. So here we go. I wonder why this story is in the gospel at all. And I really wonder why it's in the lectionary assigned for preaching once every three years. I mean, Jesus is not even in the story, and God does not appear. A story like this, a brutal beheading, and the victim's head served on a platter, is the stuff of Greek tragedies, or gory movies, or my summer reading. <laughs> I just finished The President's Daughter by Clinton and Patterson. I highly recommend it. But there are more beheadings in those first few chapters than I can even count. Today's gospel reading belongs in the National Enquirer, not in the Holy Scriptures. This biblical story has colorful characters, the wild and crazy prophet, the wicked queen, the exotic young dancer. It has palace intrigue, conspiracy, entrapment, power, sex, and murder. And when it comes to entertainment value, Nothing tops power and sex and death. But that's not why we're here. And it's not for entertainment that we read this story together during worship. For us, as God's people in the world, it provides a shamefully common example of what happens when someone speaks truth to power in this world. The same thing that happened to John happened to Gandhi in, Indi, in India, Bishop Romero in El Salvador, and Dr. King right here in the United States, all of them prophets, agitators, and truth-tellers. But what was John doing that was so dangerous? Baptizing. Now, I hope I don't get my head cut off today. Not likely, I think, because baptisms in our context are wonderful, joyful experiences with cute babies and community singing and lots and lots of smiles. But John was preaching a baptism of repentance, calling people to turn from their sin, to reject 
power and to turn toward the one who would usher in a reign of justice and peace for all of God's people. John, you see, was a truth teller and he was speaking the truth to Herod about his abuse of power and his sinful ways, killing his brother so that he could marry his brother's wife. And even though John speaks the truth to Herod, we are told that Herod enjoys listening to him, that there's something compelling about the word that John speaks to Herod. Unfortunately, though, when John finds himself between, caught between a rock and a hard place, the time comes for him to make a decision, right over wrong, humility over power, integrity over compromise, truth over lies. The time comes for him to care more about saving a life than saving face. Protect John the prophet and allow him to continue with truth-telling and calling people to turn toward God? Or go ahead and fulfill his promise to do whatever the girl asks? And we all know what Herod chooses. When push comes to shove, his fascination with the truth isn't enough to transform him. He remains a hearer of the good news, but not a doer. Well, we can all breathe a sigh of relief and give thanks that we're not like Herod, right? I mean, we don't go around killing people, do we? But do we care too much about what other people think, like Herod did? Do we do whatever we can to protect ourselves at the expense of others, like Herod did? Do we value our status, our reputation, our popularity more than the truth? Do we avoid conflict and remain passive even when we know it will hurt others? These are the questions that theologian Debbie Thomas asked in her Journey with Jesus blog this week. And I believe that these are baptismal life questions. Because baptism into a Christian way of life is more than a beautiful ceremony or a rite of passage. We make commitments to love God above ourselves, to strive for justice and peace in all the earth, to die to sin and live a life that's transformed by the power of God, the power of God that is working in us and through us. And it is not a gentle calling. And it's never easy. A pastor friend told me recently, I kind of hope that the babies do cry during the baptism. Parents always hope that their child doesn't cry or make a fuss. But there's some big stuff happening in those dangerous, life-giving waters. Crying out in fear seems like the appropriate response. The baptized are called to be doers or bearers of the good news, and sometimes that means risking our own comfortable status quo lives. And we who are called by the name of Christ cannot be silent when we see injustice in our communities. We cannot turn a blind eye to unjust treatment of those who are experiencing poverty or homelessness. We cannot stay silent when someone makes a racist or sexist or homophobic comment. 
And none of us will do this perfectly, I know that. But it is the persistent call of the baptized everywhere to speak and act and live as Christ has done for us. Because in baptism, we become part of the body of Christ. And at this table, we are fed and nourished to be the body of Christ in the world. Like Herod, we are challenged to really listen to the voice of God in our day and age and turn away from the lures and temptations that attempt to seduce us away from God's ways. Through us, God speaks words of peace and love and faithfulness that challenges the world's violence and hatred and unfaithfulness. And we may not turn into prophets like John or Amos, but we are ordinary people called to deliver an extraordinary message. In the letter to Ephesians that was read today, Paul names the new believers as God's blessed, God's chosen, God's adopted children. It's kind of like a pep talk that he gives or that coaches give to their players just before sending them back into a game that seems like a lost cause. And so we are sent back into the game after worship each week to proclaim God's inbreaking reign to all the powers that profess to rule this world. And we do not do it alone. God loves us enough in our brokenness to entrust us to be the body of Christ in the world, to share God's love and light with others, and to receive that same love and light from others when we need it the most. Amen.